Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. Perhaps you've seen radio promos or seen billboards as you drove down the road or even advertising on social media uh, asking what's after ATX. Well, it's an initiative that is happening in the city of Austin where hundreds of churches are coming together with one mission in mind, and that's to share the power and the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And prayerfully, we'll lead people in our city into spiritual conversations that will impact their lives for the rest of their lives. And so hundreds of churches are going to be preaching the same sermon that opens up the discussion that talks about what happens after we die from a biblical perspective. No matter what your religious affiliation is or what uh, you think about the afterlife, we all have one thing in common. We're all going to die. For the next several weeks, we're going to be examining research that's been conducted on thousands of people. And these researchers are definitely a lot smarter than I am. And they've interviewed all these people who were clinically dead, some who had absolutely no measurable vital signs for up to half an hour. And we're going to compare the experiences with what the Bible says about the afterlife. I'm so excited about this series, and I pray that you will fully engage. Also, stick around to the end of the service, and we'll share some resources with you that are free that you can dip that you can dive deeper into the topic of these near-death experiences. And prayerfully, you'll pass them along to people in your circles of influence. So that being said, today we're going to talk about Jesus's resurrection. Of course, it's Easter. What that has to do with you and the evidence that shows that there is actually an afterlife. Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being our awesome and magnificent God. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you together through digital mediums and through technology over the Internet. Oh, Lord, we're grateful for those who uh, who are on the front lines in our communities. Oh, Lord, and put themselves in harm's way uh, to take care of us. The the doctors, the nurses, the the uh, frontline responders, the um, the grocery store people and people who have essential jobs in this hour. And so, Father, I just pray that you be with all of those people who are working this morning, this Easter Sunday morning. I pray that you will be with all the churches around the city as we open up the discussion about what happens after we die. And ultimately, God, I pray that you will be glorified in our midst, even though we can't be together in one location. Lord God, we are your church and your church is not closed. Father, we love you. We thank you that the tomb was empty this morning. And we thank you, Jesus, that you're seated at the right right hand of the Father ever to make intercession for us. So we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let me ask you this question. How well are you prepared to die? Whether you can answer that question or not has everything to do with why Easter is important to our faith. Because whether you like it or not, we're all going to die. Unless, of course, the rapture happens, but that's another sermon for another day. But barring that no rapture happens, what we're going to experience after we die is we're going to experience the afterlife. I know it's not talked about often in churches. Jesus himself specifically taught this concept. 
This morning, we're going to explore what the Apostle Paul said about life after death. So if you turn with me in your books to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start in chapter 15. But before we dive into the text, I want to say, I want to give you a brief synopsis of what we believe as Christians about life after death. Well, first off, we don't believe in reincarnation. We also don't believe in becoming one with the universe. We don't believe that we become spirits that haunt houses or travel the earth, talking to our family members. Listen, if Big Mama's gone, don't fix Big Mama plate and offer sacrifices to Big Mama. She's gone. She has no power to influence your life. According to the scripture, we are all spiritual beings who possess a soul and a body. When we die, our spirit and our soul are thrust into the afterlife and we will eventually receive a glorified body, the kind of body that Jesus now currently has. Jesus is the firstborn of all those who will be resurrected. In other words, he has a glorified body and we will have one too when we die. A body that suffers no more pain, a body that doesn't have heartache or, or, or trials and tribulations. Think about it for a second. The kind of beating that Jesus endured on the cross, it would have taken him a really long time to recover. Yet, three days after he died, he rose again with all power and his body was a body that was in full splinter. He wasn't hobbling around. He had no aches or pains. And there's evidence that says that when we die and we experience the afterlife, our bodies will be glorified just like his. Contrary to popular songs, we will not get two wings and be like angels and fly away. We will be wholly human in the presence of God and experience another dimension that we can't even begin to fathom while we're still in this fallen world. So because so because we believe this, Easter is the most pivotal day of celebration for Christians because it's centered around the resurrection. So before we get caught up in the world to come, let's do a little bit of housekeeping in this world. What does resurrection say about my preparation for death? Well, one thing the resurrection says is that Jesus accomplished what he came to earth to do. You see, he died on the cross. He lived a sinless life. And because he lived a life that he had no sin, that means that he was a sacrifice to God on our behalf. And so Jesus died for the most significant reason that anyone has ever died. He died in my place. He died in your place. You see, the human condition is influenced by this thing called sin. It simply means that we are incapable to live up to God's standard, his holy standard. And because of this, we can't approach God. And we are destined to spend not only this life, but the life to come separated from his presence. Unless there is someone or something to intervene on our behalf. That person is Jesus. You see, Jesus was the antidote to our condition called sin. The only way to pass from this life to the next is through death. If we pass from this life to the next without our sin condition changing, it is a very high probability that we are going to be separated from God forever. So Jesus' death for our pardon and his resurrection proves that he accomplished what he set out 
to accomplish, that God accepted his death on our behalf. So now we can boldly proclaim John 3, 16. Most of us, is heard, most of us have heard it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So why was the cross necessary to allow us to access God? And because Jesus came and suffered like we would suffer, he went through what we would go through. Um, if we would have to die God's wrath, he knows what it's like to anguish in prayer. He knows what it's like to have anxiety, to be lonely, to feel rejected, to be depressed, to feel abandoned, to feel like you're drowning in sin. That's why the Bible says we can come running boldly before his throne of grace. He's a great high priest who understands our infirmities. And so that's why the resurrection is significant. You see, all these things that I've listed so far are symptoms of being separated from the father. You see, sin separates us and Jesus knows that pain. So what was the significance of him dying on the cross? Well, he did this to restore our ability to approach God. Without the cross, we cannot approach God. There's only one punishment for sin, and God said it at the beginning. He said there's one punishment of sin, and that is death. So you might be asking, how does the cross restore our ability to approach God? Well, first, the cross delivers believers from the penalty of sin. It means I no longer have to suffer the penalty of sin because Jesus did it for me. Not only that, the cross delivers believers from the power of sin, which means I no longer am grabbed by sin. I no longer have to obey sin in my life. And finally, the cross delivers believers perpetually from sin, meaning what Jesus did on the cross, he did it once and for all. We don't need any more sacrifices. Jesus was the once and only sacrifice for our sin, which leads to where we are today. You see, the most significant thing that ever happened to us is Jesus got up. And so the cross and the resurrection are significant in my life and in your life because God's wrath was appeased through Christ's sacrifice. And I totally get it. This might sound like a fairy tale to some of you who are, who, who are listening in. You know, I make it a point to mentor uh, young men when I get a chance. And I was speaking to a young man that I, I, I was mentoring recently, uh, and he grew up in a Christian home, and he would consider himself uh, a believer for the most, uh, most part. He grew up in a Christian home. Uh, his parents were believers. Uh, he never really went deep into his faith, but he felt like he was a believer. Yet he had never heard the story of Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And as I was sharing with him, about Jesus meeting with the disciples as we're walking through the book of um, as we're walking through the book of Matthew, and I'm talking to him about uh, the gospel with uh, how Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, his mouth was wide. His mouth was wide open. He was in disbelief. He looked at me like, "Did that really happen?" Perhaps some of you may have heard the gospel story before, but you're not really persuaded that it really happened the way that it says it happened in the Bible. And so if you're thinking, did that really happen? Guess what? Yeah, it's hard to believe, but I believe it. And you should too. Why? Because if it didn't happen, 
our faith is useless. And so a little background, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is writing to the church in Corinth and they were having a difficult time believing that the resurrection was actually something that they could believe in or something that would really happen. And so some of them thought that Jesus really, really wasn't human and that Jesus uh, was spirit. And so there was all these arguments going on around the resurrection. And so they were having problems believing in the physical resurrection of Christ, which is detrimental to our faith. And so if you look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 8, it says, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the scriptures. And by the way, that's today. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then at, and then all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to he appeared also to me. And so first off, Paul is appealing to the people in Corinth to say, listen, there's eyewitness accounts to this happening. He didn't only appear to his friends or his disciples. He appeared to 500. And if you don't believe me, some of them are still alive. Go and ask, go and ask them. Some of you believe stuff that you see on the internet. You don't even have to go and fact check. You just believe it because it was posted. And so I'm just saying it this way. If the naysayers in Rome or the Jews who actually, Jewish leaders who actually crucified him, wanted to shut up Christianity to kill it once and for all. All they had to do was produce a body. Also, if Christ really didn't die, why would all the people Paul listed, the 500, the 12, uh, Cephas, and the rest of them, why would they be willing to die for a lie they created? Listen, y'all got friends. Somebody would have snitched. Yet all of these disciples, all of these apostles, they all died a gruesome death with the exception of John because they said it happened. Like I said, you and five of your friends ride in the car. Somebody going to tell unless they really believed what they said they believed. Second, why is the resurrection important? Well, Without the resurrection, there's no Christianity. There's simply no faith without the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20 says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed and raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. In other words, if there is no resurrection, 
There is no reason for us to believe. There's no reason for you to be sitting here watching me right now. Don't you turn that TV off. (laughs) We are even found to be misrepresenting because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. Paul is saying, basically, if he wasn't raised, then I'm I'm sitting here lying to you. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. There's no forgiveness of sins if there is no resurrection. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And so if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, this life that we have now is the best we're going to get. And if that's the case, we all should be pitied, Paul is saying. He said, we are liars and we should be pitied if Christ did not raise from that grave. And so they were truly challenged. They wanted to know how can a deteriorated body be raised? For the Jews, uh, dead bodies were unclean and could only make other things unclean since death was a result of sin. And so they were having this mental breakdown in saying if Christ is holy and Christ is God, then how can his dead body be any good. And for the Greeks, the body was inferior to the spirit. So why would God keep us in the body if we were released? If our spirit was released, why would God keep us in the body? So the early church was tripping over their own understanding of what the resurrection would have meant. Why would God do this? They were leaning to their own understanding in the subject matter. And maybe some of you are leaning to your own understanding in life after death, because maybe Because perhaps you've heard certain things or or you believe certain things or you want to believe certain things that the scripture doesn't say. But you can't reconcile in your own mind uh, how things should go. And so you've just decided to think what you want to think. And this is what was happening in the early church. And again, it's hard to believe. Like I watched The Walking Dead. They were picturing Jesus walking around like a zombie figure. Uh. And I won't be too harsh on them and I won't be too harsh on you because we have no real context for the afterlife. But the scripture tells us and gives us uh, images and uh, uh, understanding of what life after this life is going to be like. And we're going to lean to other scriptures in the upcoming weeks to understand more about the resurrection and what life after death really is about. And so by comparison, uh, Paul had to separate their understanding a little bit. And so we're going to jump down to verse 42 uh, because Paul went on this long diatribe explaining to them about the differences between different types of bodies. And, 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 and when you when you sow a certain type of body, uh, another type of body, uh, 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 something something wonderful comes out of death is what he was basically saying, like with seeds. And so in verse 42, he says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown in perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. 
Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, which is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of dust and is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Y'all, this is good news. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on immortality. Listen, we're going to rise with heavenly bodies. We're going to rise with bodies that are so significantly greater than what we can experience. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And so the significance of the resurrection is we have hope, an awesome future that lives in a future world. People who have died, and we're going to be talking about it in the upcoming weeks, have reported having superhuman abilities, abilities to hear things from miles off, ability to see things from, like, like eagle's eyes. Abilities to experience things that they could not articulate. And even Paul talked about this in his letters when he talks about being called up into the heavens and seeing things that he could not even articulate, things that he could not even express that brought frustration to these people as they're trying to explain what they experienced in heaven. They had access to God like never before. And we have this future hope through the resurrection. It gives us hope for the future. Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. This life that we've now experienced, that we're now living is not the kind of living that God has prescribed for us. We will have this life that will be this abundant life. We will have this life that will be this abundant life. We have glimpses of access to the spiritual life right now. How? By acceptance of the good news, which is his resurrection. By the acceptance of this good news, you are saved, Ephesians 2.5. And I'm so grateful that when Jesus got up from the grave, that the power of death has been defeated once and for all on that Easter Sunday, once and for all. And because of this, we have a story to tell and we have a work to do. Matthew 28, 16-20, it's a great commission that we should go with thee therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. Listen. God has given us the ability to change this world and let people understand of his goodness and understand the gospel message and understand that his resurrection is true and there's a hope in him. And we don't have to do it alone. Christ gave us this great big family to be a part of. He's gifted you. He's gifted me. He's gifted everyone in, in, uh, at Northeast Community Church and the churches down the street. And listen, we all have this hope in Christ. 
And we all have this work to do to go out and share the message that the grave is empty. Listen, um, I'm so glad that he given you guys to my life and given us the ability to work together and co-labor with Christ. And so we're about to take communion. Uh, the Noah Kowski is going to lead us in communion as a church family. Um, and then I'll come back and I'll dismiss us. Father, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for my church family that we can sit and we can receive this holy fellowship, this communion. You've given us a few mandates as a church, baptism and communion. And you've invited us to your table. And Lord, I can't wait to the day where we'll be forever able to just dwell in your presence. Father, I love the fact that I get the pastor of this church, that I get to share your message. And so this is what I want you guys to do. Um, on the screen right now, you're going to see a few resources. Also links in the description about where you can access those. Um, if you could mosey over to Facebook and start a watch party. We're going to be rebroadcasting this right now or even a little later today. Start a watch party on Facebook. Share this message with someone and invite them into a conversation. Invite them into a dialogue about the afterlife. And listen, if you're nervous about that discussion, you're nervous about that conversation and you don't know what quite to say, listen, jump into our Facebook group and um, start a post. And let's start a discussion around this. Um, if we need to open up Zoom and have some discussions about this. Listen, this is the most important thing we could be doing right now is sharing our faith um, because indeed he is risen. And this is a celebration today. Uh, we have a little uh, fun going on a little later, uh, if you will. Here's another link. It's called Easter Jam. You go out to our website and get instructions on how to do it. It's for the kids, ages, little bitties, all the way up to college. Watch the video, play games, celebrate uh, our Lord and Savior today. But then let's get back to business. Let's get back to sharing our faith and loving one another and showing his goodness. And if you need to reach out to one of the elders and you're saying to yourself, man, I want to be able to share my faith. I want to be able to grow in my understanding of what God is doing and who God is. Listen, we're here for you. And as usual, you can hit us up at elders at any community.church. Listen, I love you guys. Let me pray and we'll be on our way. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being an awesome God. I thank you so much for leading us to this space in this place. Father, I just pray that you will help us to further realize the significance of the cross, the significance of your resurrection, and the significance and the hope that you have given us, O oh Lord. Lord, I pray that the next five weeks will be fruitful as we open up your word and we delve into what it looks like after we leave this earth. Lord, I pray that it will give us an urgency. I pray, Lord, that it will give us a desire and a fire to know you greater. 
And I pray that it will help us, Lord God, to impact the people in our circles of influence for your glory. I love you. I give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, guys, I love you. See you next week. And don't forget to know God, love others, and show it. Peace. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.